Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. They say a rooster crowing is God's wake-up call. Yeah, that's, uh, at least that's the way it was for me. Everything, that, that whole night was a blur, all right? Um, I didn't comprehend, none of us could comprehend everything that was going on, all right? We were all in the upper room, Jesus was washing our feet. Um, then we were in the garden, Jesus goes off to pray by himself. I fell asleep. I'm not proud of it. I had a big meal. Bread makes me sleepy. Next thing we know, me, James, and John, Jesus is in our face, and he's trying to wake us up, and uh, he said, um, he said uh, the, the, uh, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing, and, and then before we know it, Judas is kissing Jesus on the cheek. I try to go help him. I cut off this guard's ear. For the record, I wasn't aiming for his ear. I'm a fisherman, not a swordsman. And then they, uh, they arrest Jesus, and they take him off, and we... We ran. And it wasn't but two hours earlier that we were in the upper room. I was looking at him. I was looking him right in the eye saying, if everyone disowns you, Jesus, I won't. I'm with you. I love you. And I think that's what made me stop, turn around, go back. And uh, I caught a glimpse of Jesus as they were taking him to the high priest's house stood at the gate and some girl comes up to me starts pointing at me starts going you you're with him you're with this man that claims to be the son of God you're one of his disciples I felt like every eye was on me so I just brushed her off I said you don't know what you're talking about you got the wrong guy I get my way into the courtyard, and uh, it's cold. I, I try to warm up by the fire. And then there's this guy that recognizes me, and he is uh, from the ear incident, you know, and starts going, get him, get him, he's with him. Just arrest him, get him. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about, all right? I wasn't with him. It was easier the second time to deny him. sometime right before morning and um, this wise guy he 
comes up to me and goes, who are you kidding, all right? Who are you fooling? You're with him. I can tell by your accent. I'm like, this is just the way I talk, all right? And, and the whole night, they kept pushing him around. They kept beating him. They kept spitting on him, throwing insults at him. And I couldn't take it anymore. I had enough. I was tired of people accusing me, looking at me. And I, and I just I said a few things that I'm not proud of. And I was like, leave him alone. You don't know what you're doing, all right? Just leave him alone. I wasn't with him. And that's when I heard the most blood-curdling sound I ever heard in my whole life. I heard that rooster crow. And at that moment, Jesus, he turns around and he looks at me. He looks at me. And his gaze, you can't escape his gaze. I mean, when his eyes are on you, you cannot escape it. And they arrested him and they took him off. I will die with you, Jesus. As everyone, if everybody disowns you, I will die with you. What a, what a joke. I mean, what would you do? At that moment, at that time, I ran. I ran so fast. I ran so long. And you know what they did? They killed him. He's dead. God loved us so much that he gave. But at this Good Friday moment in Peter's life, he gave meant he gave his life. He's dead. They killed him. Imagine what's going through. Imagine what's going through Peter's mind at this time. This man of God that I followed for three years. This miracle maker, this man, I've seen him open blind eyes. I've, I've, I've seen him raise the dead. I've, I've, I've been with him. I've seen him heal the sick. I've, I've even done miracles using just his name. I've, I've seen him speak to the darkness and the darkness obeys him. I, I've seen him bring back people that were dead and now, now he's dead. This man was closer than a brother to me. This man loved me. He taught me. He knew more than any other group of men I've ever met combined. Imagine what Peter's feeling now. The last thing, uh, of all the good things that Peter did when he was with him, the last thing that he does is deny him three times. This is, for those of you that are old school Pentecostals, this is our worst nightmare. How many of you remember, you, you go back when you were, we, we used to believe, man, if, that God was looking to catch us doing something bad. And, and we thought, and, and we were taught, you know, if we were in an R-rated movie and, and we died, we'd go right to hell. How many of you from that old school? <laughs> Gloria, santo. 
We thought, man, if, if I cursed and then get hit by a car, right to hell. No great. God is trying to catch us riding dirty all the time. And we have this picture of God. And that might be funny to us, but, but, but imagine Peter at this point. The last thing I did was tell three people that I don't even know him. The last, the scripture tells us that the last time he denied him, he even cursed himself. He said, let me be cursed if I'm lying. I don't even know this man. And then the rooster crows. And Peter remembers, and the scripture says that he went away and he wept bitterly. But what Peter didn't get at the moment, what he didn't understand then was this was not the end. Welcome to Easter at the Sanctuary Fellowship. I chose Peter's life to, 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 to speak about for this Resurrection Sunday because I think so many of us could identify with Peter. We can connect with who he was and even where he was even at this particular moment in time. I think he gives us the greatest example, the biggest picture of God's love for regular people. How many need to hear that today? See, we, we all have these people in our lives that we know God has to love, right? Maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your great-grandma. And we say, oh man, God love, God has to love her. She's so good. She's such a good person. She's a saint, right? But me, not so much. Me, nah, not all the time, right? We've been going through a, a series of reflections with the, with, with the church here, and, and we've been talking about reflections, and, and we've been trying to really take a look at ourselves. And, and I'll be honest with and I've seen your comments on Facebook, is this has been a hard thing for us. Looking in the mirror and really seeing. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't like what I see. This is the pastor. Sometimes I don't like what I see. Sometimes I, I, I've caught envy in me sometimes. Sometimes jealousy. God has shown me areas where I might be light on forgiveness. I can be negative sometimes. And then at other times I can be a little prideful. It's not always pretty. Can I confess that to you? Now, some of us might have our selfie games real tight. You know, the way we want people to look at us. And we know what angles to look at us in. We know what filters to use to hide our imperfections. Somebody say amen. But sometimes we hear the rooster crow. And, and we see the side of us that only God sees. I love the, this account of Peter's life in the scriptures because it helps me see God naturally with no, no filters. Not in a religious, legalistic, uptight, churchy type of way. Not even in a, I have to go to church today because it's Easter type of way. Listen, if you came today because you were pressured by family and friends 
Or someone's been inviting you for such a long time, you couldn't avoid them any longer, you finally gave in. First, I want to welcome you. For whatever reason you came, I'm glad you're here. Amen. But listen, if you're here today trying to meet some religious requirement, trying to get the spiritual thing over with so you can put your sweat back, pants back on and grab a beer and relax, my hope, my prayer today is that you're disappointed. If you came today expecting to hear a bunch of religious talk about a God you don't even know nothing about, except for the bad experience that you had 15 years ago, with some Christians who were maybe trying too hard to make you like them. I hope that you see something different today. I hope that you're disappointed. Sometimes we church people, we're so unlike the people that God calls us to be. And if that's been your experience, can I just say it from the pulpit this morning, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your experience with church, that your experience with church people hasn't been that great. I guarantee you I'll let you down as well, and so will the body here at the sanctuary. But would you allow me to paint for you, hopefully, a clearer picture to replace that faded, distorted picture of God that you've carried around for so long? Even if you're a regular here, even if you're no stranger to church today, I think God wants to update his profile pic today. I think God wants to put a new status today. Is that that all right? Would you? Amen. Amen. See, there's there's something so natural about the way Jesus deals with Peter. and I I, I love it. They, They didn't even meet in a synagogue. They weren't even in church. They weren't even church people. Peter and Andrew, his brother, were fishermen. As a matter of fact, his name wasn't even Peter. It was Simon. Simon and his brother were fishermen. Listen, they were common men like you and me. They had no theological credentials. There was no status that they had in this world. And Jesus met them as they labored like any common man. They were chosen by God not for who they already were, but for who they could become. Simon's brother Andrew, here's how it went down. Simon's brother Andrew met Jesus first. And he met him and he was blown away. He's, he's man, who, who is this man? He, he met him and then he ran to his brother and he went to him and he says, yo, yo, let's check it. I think I found the Messiah. You got to come. You got to come, come, come and meet him. And so he, he brings his brother Simon to Jesus. Side note, that's exactly how some of you got here today. Your, your brother or your sister or your neighbor or your friend or your cousin or your hairdresser or your UPS guy, somebody, somebody had an encounter with God and they said, maybe, maybe, man, you got to come. Maybe they said to you, I found something real. You got to come check this out. Anybody? You got to come with me at least once. I'm glad you guys came. When Jesus looked at him, Andrew brought his, Peter, his, his brother Simon, and when Jesus looked at him, immediately he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. God knows exactly who you are before he, you even introduce yourself. He says, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas. 
Now, Cephas is a Syriac word. It's equivalent to the Greek word Petros, which we translate as Peter. The word means stone or rock. It's a symbol of strength and steadiness. It's a, it's a, he's saying you're going to be strong and you're going to be stable. Everything that Peter was not right now. So Simon's, Simon's name means he hears. Simon means he hears. God hears. So Jesus doesn't change his name like we read about other people in the Bible. He adds to his name. He says, you are one that hears. I'm going to use you like a stone to build a church upon. You will be a rock in God's kingdom. So Peter just met Jesus. Imagine this. He hasn't even decided if he was going to follow him or not. He doesn't even know if he believes him or not. And God, and, 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 and God that hears and the God that sees immediately speaks destiny over Peter. Immediately, Jesus pours purpose into Peter before he even knows if he's going to follow him or not. It's no wonder that Mark tells us later that, that as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew casting their nets, and he said to them, follow me. Bang. I think he said it in Spanish. He said, bang. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, they dropped their nets, they left their nets, they left their fishing equipment, they left everything, and they followed him. Some of you are here today, this isn't your first encounter with God. God has spoken words into you. God has, has, has gotten messages to you. He's driven destiny into you. He's added to your name, but maybe something happened, and you went back to fishing. Maybe you had an encounter with God, but, but you went back to what you know. You chose the fishy life. I believe that God has brought us all here today. We're gathered here. He, he wants to call us out. And he's saying to some of you, follow me. Follow me. You might think, man, that was a long time ago. For some of you, it might have been when you was a teenager, when you were when you were young, when you and you could say, man, that was a long time ago. I'm here to tell you today that word still stands. That was not the end. But at this point, Peter, Peter will later on he'll write to the churches in First Peter. He'll say he'll say, you also are living stones. You're being built up as a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood. But that comes later on. At this point, he's not there yet. When, when Jesus called him a rock, it wasn't because it was something he was. Jesus was calling Simon into a process. When God calls people like Peter, people like you and like me, he, he's not calling us into perfection. He's calling us into a process. Too many people give up and they drop out because they think you have to be perfect. They think, before I get my, 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 my nargas to church, I, I got to get everything done. I got to get everything in order. I got to work everything out. And then I'll come to your church. How many, right, right we, we, they, they tell you that. They tell us that. I got to work everything out. I got I to gotta deal with all these things. But until then, I'll just be about the fishy life. After Simon was called, he, he did life with Jesus for three years. 
And there were some times when Peter nailed it, man. There were some times when Peter was like right on point. And then there were some times like you and me where Peter blew it completely. That's how we know that man didn't write the Bible. Because if man would have wrote the Bible, we'd only tell our good sides. One time Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And, Je and, and Peter was the first one to speak out. And he told him and he, he nailed it, man. It was the perfect answer. And Jesus told him, wow, Peter, you are blessed. You are amazing. Only God could have revealed that to you. And so... Peter puffed up his chest. Imagine. Yeah, you know. I just pulled that one, you know. He says, you are amazing. But then at, in, in, in the same moment, another time, Jesus, Jesus is, is telling the disciples, listen, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be killed and I'm going to come back to life on the third day. I'm going to suffer. And Peter pulls him aside. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, Jesus, back here. He says, listen, bro, that stuff you're saying about getting killed and all that, not on my watch, papi. That's not happening. And Jesus tells him, Satan, get thee behind me. You are not concerned with the things of God. You're speaking as, as with your concerns are on the things of man. Can you imagine that kind of rebuke? One moment, Peter, you are so blessed. The next moment, Satan... Like, no, no, I'm not saying Peter. Simon, rock, blessed of God. There were times when, when he started strong, but he blew it really, really big. Can anybody here relate? Matthew, in, in, in chapter 14, he tells us the time when, when Jesus tells him, listen, get into this boat and, and go across to the other side. I'll, I'll dismiss the crowd and, and, I'll, and I'll meet you there. And so the disciples get in this boat and, and they head across. And, and um, in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, they, they look and they say, look, look, look. And they see somebody walking on the water, chilling, coming towards them. And they start to freak out. And they start to panic. And they say, oh my God, it's a ghost. It's a spirit. It's, it's um, some kind of santero from, from Santeria. And from, it's one of the santos. And it's one of, that's what we Hispanics would say. And they're freaking out. It's a ghost. And Jesus says, calm down. Relax. It is me. And Peter says, he tells him, don't be afraid. Take courage. It's me. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. That's bold, right? And, and Jesus says, come. Bang. I think Peter was from the Bronx. So he's definitely Dominican from the Bronx, I think. But anyway. So, so he, tells him, he tells him, come, come. And, and so you know the story. Peter steps out of the boat. And he starts walking to Jesus. Walking. It says he's walking. That means he didn't take one step. That means probably took a couple of steps on the water. He's walking to Jesus. And then he sees the storm. And then he sees the wind. And he gets scared. And he, and he starts to sink. And Jesus saves him. And, and the disciples all had their selfies out. They were recording the whole thing. They were like, yo, this is crazy. And, 
And then they tell him, Peter, man, you had it. You were right there, man. You were walking, but then you blew it. You failed. I posted it, by the way. You're going to be embarrassed. He said, you had it, but, but nobody else stepped out of the boat. Now, Jesus could have told, he said, Jesus, if that's you, let me step out. Let me come to you. Jesus could have told him, bro, you ain't ready. Jesus could have told him, Tate quieto. wait on the boat. I'm, I'm, I'm coming. He says, he could have told him, you got no business on the water. Instead, he let Peter take some steps, make some moves, even though he knew Peter would fail. Think about this. He told him to come even though he knew he would fail. Sometimes God allows us to step out in faith knowing he'll have to meet us in our failures. From creation, this was the case. From creation, even then he knew if he provided everything for us, men, women, perfect bodies, naked, all the food they could have, animals that were friendly and didn't want to eat them. Everything they could have. He knew even if he gave us the perfect thing, we were going to mess it up. And we would fail. And he created us anyway. Knowing he'd have to meet us in our failures. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a God who knows us completely and still loves us? Holy and fully. Let me give you another picture. In this past week, we, we call it Holy Week. The time between, you know, the week before the resurrection. Peter had, let's take it back to Peter. He had, he had gone through the roughest week in his life. In the time he was following Jesus. And, and mind you, this is not the end. But, but here it was Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Jesus looks over Jerusalem. He's coming into, he, he knows that coming into Jerusalem, the way that he's coming in, it only marked him for death. People are waving branches at him. They're declaring him a king and a ruler. And that just put a bigger target on his head. People expected a king who would rule and deliver them from their present rulers. But he said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And people were angered and some felt threatened. Monday. Monday. It says as Jesus approaches the city, as he approaches, he looks over Jerusalem and he weeps for the city. His heart breaks when he sees the people that will deny him, the people that are celebrating him, but will deny him eventually and be lost. People expected a king, and, 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 and they didn't get that. And so the, the next thing he does on Monday, he goes into the temple and he tears it up. He goes into the temple and he flips over the tables and he, he chases out the money changers. He did this twice in his ministry, at the start of his ministry and at the end of his ministry. Tuesday. By Tuesday, 
he was teaching in the temple. After he cleaned out the temple, after he, he, he took those out that were cheating and, and, and thought they were better. Side note, the only people Jesus ever got, we have this picture of an angry God, but the only people Jesus ever got angry at were the religious people. The only people he ever really got upset at were the religious people that thought they were better than other people. So by Tuesday, he'd thrown them all out. He was teaching in the temple, and Judas started bargaining with the Sanhedrin to betray him. Wednesday. Wednesday was a silent day in all of the Gospels. There's nothing recorded, no record in the Gospels of Wednesday. Wednesday was silent. Thursday. Thursday. Peter and John were sent to prepare, to prepare a place where they could have a Passover meal together. This would be their last supper. You guys know the last supper. That's the picture that grandma has on, in black velvet. Over the, right, all the apostles took it, stood on one side and took a selfie. The last supper. In John, we read that during the last supper, Jesus gets up and he removes his outer garment. Listen to this. And he puts a towel around his waist. And he takes a basin and he fills it with water. And, and he begins, he, see, he assumes the role of a servant. He, he appears like a servant. He has a towel around his waist, a basin filled with water. And, and Jesus proceeds to wash the disciples' feet. And he gets to Peter, and of course, big mouth Peter, a lot like some of us, some of you. Peter's outraged. He says, you wash my feet? That's not going to happen, Papa. Jesus says, listen, listen, you're not going to understand this now, but later you'll understand. And Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. You, you're God, you're Jesus, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have nothing to do with me. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter said, then not my feet, but my hands and my head wash all of me. Jesus says, he that is already washed needs only to wash his feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean. He said, you, you won't understand this right now, but this is a picture. It's a picture of what's about to take place at the cross, Good Friday. Good Friday. His death on the cross was a washing for us. It was a washing that if we were to receive it, would make us totally clean. The picture is the only thing we would have to continually wash would be our feet, which would symbolize our daily walk, our everyday life where we make mistakes, we fall, we fail. Anybody? And so we'd have to come to God daily to ask for forgiveness of sins, but we're clean. Our bodies are clean. Now, at the end of this Passover meal. So many amazing things happen in there. I want to continue the story next week, so, so you guys have to come back for part two. Promise? Okay. Shh. 
So now, at the end of this, this Passover meal, Peter's running his mouth again. Just like some of you. He's running his mouth again. And Luke 22 records it this way. Jesus says, Simon, Simon. The enemy has asked that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus is saying the enemy is, is coming after you. He's, he's attacking you. He's going to come after you because you are the rock on which I'm going to build this church. He, he says the same thing to us. The enemy is after you. The enemy seeks and looks and sees who he would devour. Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. But listen, he says, but and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter says to him, Lord, Lord, I, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Peter. The rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you even know me. And so here we are back to where we started. Peter's talking big game. He says, I'm your ride or die. If everyone deserts you, I will not. I will be there. I love the understanding that God gives Peter right there. And I believe it's the understanding that God gives us. Jesus warns him, you will fail. You will fall. But I'm praying for you. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. I believe that's God's word to us today. It's, it's so good that you've come today. But listen, once you leave here today, you will fail. You will fall. Some of you might be crying at the altar in a moment. Some of you might have already had an encounter with God this morning in worship. But when you leave here, you will mess up again, even though you say, I won't. How many times have we said, I won't, I won't do that again. I won't mess up again, God. God, if you get me through this, I won't do that again. God's word for us today is, is that you will mess up again once you leave. You might fall, you might fail, but know, Jesus says, that I'm praying for you. And know that when you fail, that is not the end. And when you trip again, that is not the end. And when you mess up again, it's not the end. And when you feel discouraged, it's not the end. And when you feel like giving up, it's not the end. And the scripture is so sneaky the way it just shows up. He says, and when you've turned back again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus forgives Peter before he even sins. Do, do you get what's happening here in Scripture? Jesus forgives Peter before he repents. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. We don't repent so that we can be forgiven. We're forgiven so that we can come to repentance. Can we flip the gospel today? 
That's the gospel. That's what the word says. We, we put all this emphasis on us, on us coming to forgive, on us repenting, on us. But it's your work. It's your work. It's our work. And we earn God's favor. No, God forgave you so that you can accept that forgiveness and walk in repentance. He forgave you before you asked for it. I don't know where you stand today, but, but on Good Friday, every one of your shortcomings was paid for. And on Sunday, he rose so that regular people like you and like me, we could have life. And that's something to celebrate right now. Let's invite his presence.
<laughs> Christianity is the only story where the hero dies for the villain. We want to create a space right now. The atmosphere is already here. We want to create a space where if you need to come to repentance, we want to create an, a place for you. We want to give you the opportunity to do that. This team will be here to stand with you, to pray with you. If, if something in the message, if something in the presentation, if something in the worship today was your rooster crow, where you got to see yourself the way only God sees you, and you were able to look inside and see the you that only God sees. Not, not the you that we put on for people. Not that, that, that self that we want others to look at us. But we got to see the re... When, when we look in the... When we stand in the presence of God, sometimes all filters are removed. And we get to see who we really are. And that might not be a bad thing. And we're not trying to make anybody feel guilty. And we're not trying to pressure you. All we want to do is what Jesus did. We want you to know that when you fall, Jesus said, I'm going to be praying for you. I'll pray for you. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Can we take a moment? Before we go to our Easter meals and our Easter banquets and all the things that we have planned after maybe, can we take a moment to reflect and to thank God for the forgiveness that he gave us before our repentance. And if you need somebody to pray with you, I invite you right now to come. Don't wait right now. Come. This team wants to stand. We want to stand here with you. We want to pray with you. We want to believe with you. If God is calling you back to a relationship that you had before, if you've been hurt before and you've been damaged and that's why you've stayed away from church for so long, if, if somebody's hurt you and then we, we, we're here to just stand with you. Come. Listen, Jesus is saying, follow me. Follow me. He's not calling you to be a member of a church. He's not calling you to be church people or to be some, some crazy religious people. God is just saying, come, follow me. Follow me. So come, we want to stand with you. Amen. 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 Sister, you were worth it. My brother, this whole thing was worth it for you.
family, can we encourage one another? We've all fallen. The word says we've all fallen. Everyone falls short. Amen. Amen. Come, this is not the end. Come. Come. This is not the end. Your failure is not final. Come. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Come. Just come and, and thank God for the opportunity on this Resurrection Sunday that we can worship together with family, that we can believe together and encourage one another. Amen. 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 This is beautiful, but there's more. There's more. Come. Follow me, Jesus says. This is a picture of the church. This is the picture that I always want to see of the church. <laughs>